0: Oh, Rio. oh, Rio. oh Rio.
1: Hello and welcome to the Sound of History Podcast. My name is Nick.
0: My name is Mika. <laughs>
1: this is a music history podcast where we're going through the whole story of American music. Piece by piece.
0: All of it.
1: Yes. Today we're talking about Motown, which is a fun little period. In the 60s. But before we get to that, it's our show within a show.
0: Mika is the host. I don't know. You added to
1: it. Yeah. I wasn't but, ready for that.
0: But, shh, me neither. <laughs> I don't know what to say.
1: So you're just not ready for any of this is what, what you're getting at.
0: Right. I don't know.
1: Is this going to be your first time without Amika as the host now?
0: No, I'm still talking. I don't know. What do I like? I don't know. What do you like? Food. We ate really good food. Yeah. I made lasagna soup with ricotta cheese on top. That was really yummy. It worked better than I thought it would.
1: We also had yummy tacos on the weekend. That was fun.
0: (gasps) That's right. What's it called? Velvet Taco? Yep. Yeah. If anyone has a Velvet Taco, which is every single time I think about that name, it gets worse. (laughs) They were really good. Chicken and waffle tacos. It was delicious. Mm -hmm. They did it so, so well.
1: Is that all you wanted to talk about?
0: Chicken and waffle taco. Lasagna soup. See, it's just things that are another thing. That's a thing. <laughs> what else that is another a thing. What else is a thing that's another thing? Erasable <laughs> pens? That's weird.
1: <laughs> what is happening?
0: <laughs> <laughs> I don't know.
1: Is Mika no longer the host now? No. You've I made it talking. to erasable pens. So I don't yeah, know. Ra- if-
0: hey, hey. <laughs> don't hate on the stationary world, okay? Erase... Er- 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 Leave me alone. Erasable pens are awesome if you find the right ones that work well. There is a specific kind that I like the best. Everyone at work is using them now. It's a fad. Okay. We go through phases where we all, like, use the same pens.
1: Okay. Is that all?
0: Nah. Hey, if anyone out there likes candles and, and likes likes like fall candles, but not like sickeningly sweet. Will you like tweet us and tell me what candles to buy? That'd be really great.
1: Okay. Is that all?
0: I relinquish my control.
1: Okay. Mika's no longer the host now. I do just want to plug again. Follow us on Twitter. Twitter dot com slash sound of history underscore. It's just, that's the, I mean, I say the best way to keep up with us. We never post on there, but if we ever need to announce something, that's probably where we'd do it. So just go give us a follow. Let us know that, you know, that you're listening. Say hi. It's fun. (laughs)
0: Let us know that someone is out there. (laughs) (laughs) It's not just us talking into a computer.
1: And give us like reviews on iTunes and stuff, because that helps a lot. So if you like what we're doing. Give us a little review, and if you don't, then tell us on Twitter before you just, like, give us one star. And maybe we'll fix it, or maybe we'll ignore you, and then you can give us one star.
0: We're not going to ignore people.
1: Depends. There's a lot of weird people on the internet.
0: I'm weird, and I'm on the internet.
1: There's a lot of weird, mean people on the internet.
0: Sometimes I'm mean.
1: (laughs) Okay. Now we're getting into the actual music history. The thing everyone actually comes to listen to. Really, though? (laughs) I mean, I think so. I don't think people are tuning out after five minutes. But maybe. But then you just have to make your own podcast. Mika's the host now. A full show.
0: Ugh. (laughs) Sounds (laughs) like way too much commitment and trouble.
1: Yep. Oof. Okay. Well, the past couple of episodes, we've talked about British British bands and their impact on the American music scene, specifically in the mid to late 1960s. Do you want to, like, give us... Any kind of recap on what that was?
0: British boys play music in like small clubs, act like rock stars, long hair, must wear suit. American women, wah, <laughs> um, big things. What? Big things. Sex, drugs, rock and roll, people die. Here we are.
1: <laughs> okay. Do you remember any of the bands that we talked about? Yes. Okay. Okay. I, I believe you. We'll move. <laughs> 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 Do you wanna say any of them?
0: <laughs> they already know.
1: Yeah, but I'm teaching you, so I want to make sure you know. Do
0: you wanna make sure I know the Beatles and the Rolling Stones?
1: I wanted to make sure you at least knew those, but we also talked about quite a few other ones. Quarrymen? Well yeah, that's that the just, Beatles. Yeah.
0: <laughs> I knew that.
1: <laughs> that's the beta version of the Beatles.
0: Um, 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 that one band that I liked, they also had to wear suits because the Beatles wore suits. The animals? Maybe.
1: They were the ones who had that weird music video. The House of the Rising Sun. Sure. Okay. All right. Well, anyway, wasn't
0: there another song that I liked?
1: Yeah, I can't remember it right now, but it was the one you said belonged in like the intro to yeah. a movie. Yeah. It was "You Really Got Me" by The Strokes, I think.
0: Yeah. Is that who does that song? Oh my gosh. Uh oh. This is gonna be really awkward if my patient's mother listens to this. The but Kinks. I can,
1: Sorry, not The Strokes. My bad.
0: I can bet you that she doesn't listen to this. None of you guys tell my patient, my patient's mom. We were given this baby a bath, and we're listening to music that mom picked out, and it was just a woman singing Stroke It For Me over and over and over.
1: That's weird.
0: It was. (laughs) You know, listen to what you want to listen to. Listen to what you want to listen to in front of your kids. But I will remember that moment. And I don't think that's wrong of me. No.
1: It was the Kinks. It wasn't the Strokes. Sorry. Okay. Well, this week, we're back into American musical institutions. And we're talking about something that we've kind of, like, touched on a little bit in past episodes. But it really deserves an episode of its own. We're talking about the Motown era of pop classic songs. For a while, Motown dominated American music. Do you know anything about Motown at all? I do. Okay, what do you know?
0: Rolling on the river. I, d- I, d- I don't know that that was Motown. No. <laughs> just a Motown girl.
1: That might, It probably was, living yeah.
0: Living in a Motown world. She took a... <laughs> What's a Motown version of a train?
1: I mean, probably just a car because it was a detroit
0: took a motown car going to detroit just a detroit boy
1: okay we're gonna move on sorry i was looking up rolling on a river
0: is it motown i don't think so i think damn it it. (laughs)
1: I could be wrong. Let us know, and then I'll throw it in a correction corner, but I don't, I don't think it was.
0: I don't know what the hell anything is.
1: Well, we're about to figure that out.
0: You're, you're, you're also going to him,
1: get us an explicit tag, because that's like your fourth cuss word this episode already.
0: uh <laughs> yeah. You can say how. Okay. <laughs> I don't know the rules, but like, <laughs> come on.
1: Yeah, it's fine. In 1922, Barry Gordy II also known as Barry Gordy Sr., relocated his family from Georgia to Detroit. They were just one family out of the thousands that relocated to the north after World War One in search of jobs at the many different factories that were springing up in the area.
0: Did you know that cats are being shipped to the north to get adopted? Okay. That's a thing, apparently. All
1: right, well, good. Well, That's all. More cats need to be adopted. A few years later, in 1928, Barry Gordy III, the seventh of eight children, was born. Barry dropped out of school in 11th grade to make a career as a professional boxer, which ended in 1952 when he was drafted into the Army for the Korean War.
0: Wait, so it worked? An eighth grader decided to be a boxer and it worked?
1: 11th grade. He dropped out of 11th grade.
0: Okay, that's a little bit better. <laughs> he but was like, the
1: seventh of eight children, so that's probably where you got that from.
0: Okay. Yeah. No, well, yeah, but like, it worked.
1: Still. It was working. A l- I mean, like, I don't think he would have been, like, he's not going to be Mike Tyson, but he might have been able to make a little bit of a career for a bit. And then uh, they drafted him.
0: Of course they did.
1: When he returned to Detroit in 1953, he started his long love affair with music and entrepreneurship. He opened a record store dedicated to educating customers on the beauty of jazz.
0: That's adorable
1: you're like, this is in 53. If they don't know about jazz by now, they might be a little bit... Like, the ship has sailed. We're through the jazz era.
0: Well, he has to teach the new- newbies.
1: <laughs> yeah, I guess. His But his real passion was songwriting. When his record store failed, he tried to get a job at a plant, but his family connections got him in touch with a music publisher named Al Green, who introduced him to a guy named Jackie Wilson. Like... What?
0: (laughs) Why do I know that name?
1: I think Al Green is like a big singer, but I don't, I don't know if it's the same Al Green.
0: No, it's Hozier. Oh, okay. Jackie and Wilson. Oh, Jackie Wilson. That's not Al Green. Okay. Well, Al Green
1: is a singer, but I don't know if it's the same one.
0: I don't know. I don't know them.
1: Well, anyway, Jackie Wilson was a, like, singer at the time, and Barry co-wrote a song for Jackie that ended up being a minor hit in the area. Over the next 18 months, Barry wrote or produced over 100 songs for various artists with a few of his siblings. 100 songs in 18 months is just, like, wild.
0: That's a passion.
1: In 1957, Barry met a high school singer named Smokey Robinson. I know that name. Yeah, you do. Do you know from where? No. The office. It's the guy (gasps) Ryan thought died.
0: Oh. (laughs) It's the guy Smokey Robinson. Name one Smokey (laughs) Robinson song.
1: Yep. And then he just didn't die. (laughs) Well, Barry met him when Smokey was just a high school singer like in a few talent shows and stuff, and they started a partnership that would change both of their lives. Barry loved the doo style of singing that Smokey was doing. He recorded Smokey's band, who were known as the Miracles, and he recorded their first song called Got a Job and released it through another label in New York, which that was a pretty like common practice at the time to release through different labels in different areas. And that through that song Barry got into contact with a lot of different labels around the country. Do you want to hear Smokey?
0: I wanna hear Smokey. I got a job. Walked all day till my feet were tired. Yeah. I was low, I just couldn't get out of it. So side in a cross pistol. Yeah. Yeah. Help us light. And we need some more. I got action. a job. Sha-da-da, sha-da-da, I got a
1: job. Sha-da-da, da-da, sha-da-da, da-da, da-da. To I got up. a I got to You can't sing along the music. i got to line
0: it up. <laughs> <laughs> All
1: right. That's Smokey's first song. In 1959, Smokey convinced Barry to open up his own recording company. So, Barry borrowed $800 from his family and started a label that he named Tomla Records. I don't know where that came from. I'm sure it's out there somewhere. Later that year, he incorporated Motown Records into the group and bought a new property. He signed Smokey's group originally as the Matadors and changed their name to the Miracles.
0: What's Motown?
1: Motown, I'm pretty sure, is just like Motor Town because Detroit was Motor City. It was like where all the cars were made, the big car plants. Okay. So I'm pretty sure that's where that came from. So
0: the name came first in the record label and then...
1: Well, I like, I, I think he came up with Motown, but he just combined right. Motor Town together. Yes, I get that part. Okay.
0: But you said that something was called Motown.
1: Yeah, he, he started one record label called tomla records and then i think he started another one called motown records and just kind of like joined them together
0: so that came first and then the music that came out of that record label is motown
1: yes oh huh. yeah that's what we know as motown is the music that came out of this label that barry gordy just started
0: wow that's yep impressive yeah
1: just wait by 19 but wait
0: there's more <laughs>
1: By 1960, he started the Motown Record Corporation, which included the Tomla and Motown labels. So he just kind of wrapped both of them up into the Motown Record Corporation. (laughs) Yes, I'm sure he did that as he signed the contract.
0: Maybe. I mean, that's a great sound of (laughs) signing something. Okay,
1: I'll remember that if I ever need to sign contracts.
0: There it is. (laughs)
1: Later that year, they had their first hit with a song by a guy named Barrett Strong called Money, in parentheses, That's What I Want.
0: <laughs> <laughs> sure.
1: After this record, Barrett went on to be a staff writer for Motown and wrote lyrics for some of the label's greatest hits.
0: Right, because with Money, That's What I Want, you know there's just a lot of just creative energy just yeah. pent up in there. <laughs> sure. N- not just just, just, just statement. Ma- I, I think it's funny. Okay. <laughs> just leave me alone
1: when the label moved to LA way later down the road, Barrett resumed his singing career. Although he's pretty much known as a one hit wonder, he is in the Songwriters Hall of Fame for the work he did at Motown.
0: Money.
1: He never really, like,
0: that's what I want.
1: Well, here, we're listening to Money now. Said, so you can see if it's what you're singing.
0: Money is what I want. I
1: don't think it's that song. I think that's Lovin'.
0: <laughs> Do you think that I care? <laughs> Take it back. This is a bomb. Yep. I want to be that person.
1: But you love, do pay my bills. I need Stop it. So at this Alright, well, that was Motown's first big hit. And Barrett Strong's only hit as a singer. He had had plenty as a songwriter. The first initial hit was quickly followed up by a smash hit from Smokey Robinson's Miracles called Shop Around. Shop Around became the first record from Motown to sell over a million copies, and it really solidified the label as something to take notice of in the wider music world. Smokey Robinson established himself as a star, and the group would continue to make smash record after smash record for Motown, with Smokey writing songs for many other prominent groups as well. Smokey was just kind of all over the place. Shop Around has been inducted in the Grammy Hall of Fame and the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame as one of the 500 songs that shaped rock and roll. Cool. It was also included in Rolling Stone's list of the 500 greatest songs of all time. Wow. It was written by Smokey and Barry Gordy, though that might not be true. Barry just kind of put his name on stuff, so that take that for a grain of salt, but on the co- on the writing credits, it's Smokey and Barry Gordy.
0: Who gets to decide what the top 500 songs of all time are?
1: Rolling Stone. It's like, it's not an official list. It's just the Rolling Stone magazine came who, up. With who the,
0: gets to be the person that does it? They that. probably
1: had a panel of judges, like music insiders and producers and I want that job. Stuff. No, I don't. <laughs> you have to sit there and just listen to, to thousands song. of songs.
0: <laughs> every song. Yeah.
1: There was someone who came out with their own list of one of their thousand greatest songs and I was like, the how thousand. do you even like remember that <laughs> many? I oh like, gosh.
0: Do they have other things to do?
1: No. Anyway. Was it
0: a quarantine project? No, it
1: was like twenty seventeen or something. Wow. I don't know. Okay. The song originally featured a bluesier sound and was released locally in Detroit. What song? Shop Around. Okay. But Barry thought it needed to be changed to reach a wider audience. So at 3 a.m. he had the Miracles re-record a poppier version of the song. Legend has it that Barry rejected 100 songs by Smokey, calling them garbage, before accepting the 101st, which was Shop Around. And it hit number one on the R&B charts. Here is Shop Around. I'd kind of be surprised if you haven't heard it. it beige, One of the ones I grew up listening to.
0: She said, son, you're growing up now. Pretty soon you'll take a ride. And then she said, just because you become a young man now, it's still some There's a chapel around, I'll No, I've never heard that. Really? I'm surprised. I think it's a little bit sexist. (laughs) Okay. Women can't shop around back then.
1: I'm pretty sure there's other Motown songs that are like similar from a woman's perspective. I don't know. I might be making that up, but I thought there was.
0: Maybe I'm making it up. I don't know.
1: But Barry was never one to rest on his success, and he released another Smash song less than a year later, this time with a group of teenage girls who formed in their high school glee club. Cute. Cute. The Marvelettes, a group from Michigan, ended up in fourth place in a talent show where the top three winners got to audition for the new Motown label. Their teachers pressed for them to be able to audition, too, even though they got in fourth. They passed the first audition with some lesser-known label people before doing their second audition for the higher-ups, including Smokey and Barry Gordy. Barry said he liked their sound, but advised them to come back with their own composition. So the group's leader, a girl named Georgia Dobbins, asked a songwriter friend of hers if she could use a bluesy song he'd been working on called Please Mr. Postman. That friend agreed, so long as he got songwriting credit. So Georgia took the song home and, despite having no songwriting experience, reshaped and reworked it to make it more teenage-friendly and more of like a doo-wop poppy style. Unfortunately, before their nox- next audition, Georgia left the group because her dad didn't want her to be in show business.
0: <laughs> Fucking Georgia's dad.
1: I mean, I can't say that I blame him after what the show business has done to quite a few different kids.
0: Yeah, that's true.
1: The group replaced her and took Please Mr. Postman to Motown, which they then recorded less than a month later. Please, Mr. Postman became Motown's first song to reach the top of the Hot 100 list in late 1961. That's cool. The Marvelettes continued to record and had a few other minor successes, but they'd never again reach the lev- level of their first song. Here's Please, Mr. Postman. I'm so
0: excited for this.
1: I'm surprised you haven't heard this one, too. Like, I grew up with all of these songs. My mom loved Motown. <laughs> hey, 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 oh, no, I've heard this one. Okay.
0: My i yeah. yeah. so so
1: I want to know what this sounded like before me. they made it teenage friendly. It's like I can't picture this being like a bluesy song. That's <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Please Mr. Postman. Love it. Their first number one pop song. Over the next decade... Oh, are you going to say something?
0: Go get them, girls.
1: <laughs> Over the next decade, Motown released a string of hits and created a stable of artists that is pretty hard to comprehend. Along with Smokey and the Miracles, who continue to have recording success... They recorded The Temptations, The Four Tops, Gladys Knight and the Pips, The Jackson Five, Stevie Wonder, and Marvin Gaye, just to name a few. Just a few. Their address in Detroit became known as Hitsville, USA. Cute. It's said that Barry Gordy modeled his record label off of the automobile plants in Detroit. Find a product that was good, that worked, and that sold a lot. Find a way to reproduce that same product over and over again really quickly. And then you're just printing money at that point. They basically had two different departments all working toward that one goal. On one hand, you had expert songwriters like Smokey Robinson and Barrett Strong. Then you had the performers like Marvin Gaye, who really wanted to be a jazz crooner before Motown helped him develop his sound. And Stevie Wonder, who the label discovered when he was 11 years old. (laughs) Using this formula, Motown from 1961 to 1971 created 110 top 10 songs mostly forgotten in that insane run of records was the session musicians who are known as the funk brothers who played on almost every single one of those songs
0: thank you funk brothers
1: (laughs) motown became known for a specific kind of sound it was great strong melodies with memorable hooks tambourines horns hand clapping even if you didn't really know what set it apart, when a, note, when a Motown song came on, you knew it was a Motown song. Unless you're me. Yes. A lot of that has to do with their focus on radio. They knew most of their songs would be first heard on radios and just kind of like tailored their recording to fit that sound. They created memorable songs that were upbeat and peppy. You didn't have to brood in a corner and think about the deeper meaning to understand what was happening with, like, My Girl or Please, Mr. Postman. You got it right off the bat and you well, just wanted the to fun sing along. In that? Well, <laughs> the money is the fun. <laughs> Barrett Strong started them off with money. That's what I want. Motown songs were simple songs that told a simple love stories. Some of them sad, some of them happy, none of them forgettable. Motown became the pride of Detroit and, in a lot of ways, the pride of African Americans. They finally had a black-owned record label with primarily black artists tearing up the charts. Their only competition during this period were the British bands, starting in like the mid-60s.
0: That's pretty awesome.
1: Yeah. Smokey said of Motown's impact during this time, quote, Into the 1960s, I was still not of a frame of mind. Wait.
0: I'm not of a frame of mind either.
1: I think it's I it's, I was still of a frame of mind that we were not only making music, we were making history. But I did recognize the impact because acts were going all over the world at that time. I recognized the bridges that we crossed, the racial problems and the barriers that we broke down with music. I recognized that because I lived it. I would come to the South in the early days of Motown and the audiences would be segregated. Then they started to get the Motown music and we would go back and the audiences were Integrated and the kids dancing together and holding hands. Despite all of the incredible artists, no one was bigger or better than Diana Ross and the Supremes. We're going to talk about them next episode, but in a group of powerful Motown artists, they stood above the rest. So we're not going to really get into a lot of their music this time, but just stay tuned for next episode when we're going to talk all about them. Around 1967, while the Detroit riots were in full swing, something started to shift within Motown.
0: Hey, what were the Detroit riots?
1: I don't actually know.
0: I thought you would. You just said it with such confidence. I assume that I don't know things (laughs) and that you know all the history things.
1: Well, let's look at 1967 Detroit riots, their causes and effects. They were among the most violent and destructive riots in the U.S. history.
0: For basic... Rights, though, maybe? Probably. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I got a pop of bad.
0: What? On my computer?
1: Yeah, it's pretty much just the African-American communities being mistreated and getting sick of it, as they should.
0: So much has changed.
1: The police department was viewed as a white occupying army.
0: What? what
1: accusations of racial profiling and police brutality were commonplace Detroit's black residents what specifically in an area called Virginia Park where there were uh, 60,000 low-income residents were crammed into the neighborhoods 460 acres damn yeah so it's just fed up with the
0: police brutality and injustice racial (laughs) injustice oh no (laughs) (laughs)
1: Okay, well, while that was happening, things started to shift within Motown. A lot of the early doo-wop-style singers were waning in popularity, although people like the Jackson 5 were just starting to hit their stride. Barry Gordy started looking to Los Angeles. He wanted his songs and his acts in movies, so they opened a second office in L.A. Also, the songwriting trio that Barry owed a ton of success to, a group called Holland, Dozier, and Holland, Two Brothers and Dozier, left the label due to royalty disputes. They had written, like, they were the primary songwriters. Smokey was one of them, Mm -hmm. but if it wasn't Smokey, it was them three who wrote, like, the other 100 hits.
0: I hope they got paid.
1: I hope so, too. But knowing Barry Gordy,
0: they probably didn't. (laughs) (laughs)
1: Just... I mean, John Mulaney has a joke about Barry Gordy screwing songwriters. So, you know, it's a... With these changes, Barry started to loosen his control on his artists and let them release some of their own music that they had written and produced, rather than just, like, everything approved by him. So, in 1971, Marvin Gaye released what many consider to be the greatest artistic song to ever come out of Motown. But Barry called it the worst song he had ever heard.
0: He sounds like not a fun person <laughs> to be around. No.
1: It was, a solo- it was a socially and politically conscious song. Marvin Gaye eventually turned it into a whole concept album. The song was written by Obi Benson, who was a member of the Four Tops. While they were on tour, he looked around at the police brutality and the violence against anti-war protesters. He said, quote, I saw this and started wondering, what was going on? What is happening here? One question led to another. Why are they sending kids far away from their families overseas? Why are they attacking their own kids in the street? End quote. He wrote the song and offered it to Marvin, who changed a few of the melodies and lyrics to get it to fit his style better. When people told Benson that it was a protest song, he pushed back on that and said it was a love song about understanding. <laughs> Marvin said of the song and subsequent album, quote, In 1969 or 1970, I began to reevaluate my whole concept of what I wanted my music to say. I was very much affected by letters my brother was sending me from Vietnam, as well as the social situation here at home. I realized that I had to put my own fantasies behind me if I wanted to write songs that would reach the souls of people. I wanted them to take a look at what was happening in the world. Mm. When it was released, critics were a little surprised to hear a song like What's Going On come out of Motown. Here is What's Going On. I feel like you've probably heard this song too. Yeah. far too many of you die
0: you know we've got to find a way to bring some love in here today Hey yeah.
1: father father we don't need to escalate that such a good sense. See, war is not the answer for only love Don't punish me
0: with brutality.
1: Talk to me. All right, that's what's going on.
0: Definitely a love song. Yeah, definitely. Definitely.
1: <laughs> At the same...
0: Just normal love <laughs> between a man and a woman.
1: Yeah, man in a country.
0: Okay. <laughs>
1: At the same time, Stevie Wonder started to take more control over his own career and released a string of three albums that are largely considered to be just like masterpieces. It's kind of considered to be the last batch of great music that ever came out of Motown. In 1972, Barry moved the entire corporation to L.A. to focus on movies. A lot of the artists and the Funk Brothers did not follow and stayed in Detroit.
0: Yeah, I kind of think that they were doing a good thing on their own there for yeah. a second. That <laughs> Good lord.
1: Barry did see a little bit of success with his acts in movies. He had one film for Diana Ross based on the life of Billie Holiday that was a success and one for the Jackson 5 that did quite well because, I mean, like, of course people are going to show out to see Diana Ross and the Jackson 5 in movies. But especially before Marvin Gaye and Stevie Wonder did their thing, Motown was no longer considered the hip thing. Kids wanted to hear more underground, heavier type of stuff in the early 70s music that actually spoke to what was happening with the Vietnam War and racial unrest. Motown wasn't doing a ton of that.
0: I wonder why. I wonder who was making those decisions.
1: (laughs) Probably Barry. Despite the waning popularity... Yeah, it
0: was was, was (laughs) rhetorical.
1: Despite the waning popularity, Motown still found a few diamonds and used their incredibly impressive artist development system to turn them into stars. Lionel Richie and Rick James joined the label in the early 80s. Lionel established himself as one of the top ballad singers of the 80s with his first album released through Motown. Do you want to hear one of Lionel Richie's songs? Yeah. It's called Truly off of his debut album. Truly. By the mid-1980s, Hitsville, USA was losing money. Barry Gordy found it hard to succeed in a record business that was dominated by major corporations with millions and millions of dollars. So, in 1988, he sold his shares in Motown to MCA for $61 million.
0: Holy yep. goodness gracious.
1: MCA later sold the company to Polygram, which was then sold to Universal. So Universal now technically owns Motown. He then pieced out some of the other Motown business ventures. In 1989, he sold the Motown Productions TV film operations to Suzanne de Passé, P-A-S-S-E, Passe? I don't know, who renamed it to De Passé Entertainment and still runs it today. Most notably, they produced the movie Xenon Z3.
0: What? <laughs> Most notably,
1: <laughs> most notably for me, Barry held onto his mu- music publishing catalog for a long time. Eventually, selling it to EMI in 2004. In the 1990s, Motown continued to see some success with acts like Boys to Men, but there was a lot. What? <laughs> <laughs> but there was a lot of inner turmoil between the label head. Turmoil.
0: Turmoil. They had some turmoil. Turmoil. To I'm just
1: going to mute your mic. There's a you lot of inner turmoil between the label head and MCA. Eventually, Motown was just kind of absorbed in the universal label structure and doesn't really have much of an identity of its own anymore. Smokey Robinson stayed with the label for a really long time, eventually leaving in 1991. The Temptations left and then came back, but they left for good in 2004. Diana Ross left for good in 2002. In October of 2020, Stevie Wonder announced music released through Republic Records, making it the first time in his entire career that he released music not under Motown Records. Wow. Motown still exists today. Some of their artists include people like Lil Baby, Erica Badu, Lil Yachty, Migos, and Offset.
0: That's so weird.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Since leaving Motown, Barry Gordy did some work on Broadway. He stepped down from Motown, but he was still very much involved. He wrote a book about it, and he wrote the book for a Motown musical, which premiered in 2013. At Motown's 60th anniversary show in 2019 in Detroit, Barry officially announced his retirement from Motown. In 2006, his youngest son, Stephen Kendall Gordy, better known as Redfoo, started a musical group with his nephew called LMFAO. Stop. <laughs> so Barry Gordy is still influencing music Stop. today. Stop. Yep. And that's Motown. He's still, Barry Gordy's still alive, still around.
0: Stop. <laughs> <laughs> what?
1: <laughs> All right. So that's Motown. I think it's fun. I like Motown's it an interesting fun. story. There's a lot think there's a lot behind the scenes we don't really go into a lot of like exploitation songwriters not really being paid what they were due, artists not really being paid what they do i think we go in what they were due. i think we go a little bit more into that in the diana ross story but you know we'll see anything you want to add to motown
0: just a motown girl <laughs> living in a motown world
1: I'm gonna say that's Took no
0: the Motown car to go see <laughs> <laughs> Alright, well <laughs>
1: join us. Probably not next week, but sometime when we talk about Diana Ross.
0: Join us sometime. Goodbye. The best things in life are free. But you
1: can get